All right, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to another episode of Small Talk. Uh, if you're not celebrating Thanksgiving today, well, thank you for uh, joining us and watching us talk for a little bit. We got a really, really good one for you guys. Yeah. Uh, an interview. Uh, Badfish, Chris, how are we doing today? This is, a, this is an awesome day. You know, we don't always get to uh, talk to the, the people who actually make some of the stuff we collect. So I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks for anyone who's tuning in. Yeah, it's, uh, this normally you say s catching us live or on the replay, but on the replay this time. And I uh, hope you're having a happy holidays wherever you are. And if you're celebrating Turkey Day, uh, enjoy that turkey. So, guys, y'all had your Thanksgiving a few months ago, was it? What, what was it? When was it exactly? Yeah, at a reasonable time of the year, yes. <laughs> Far enough away from Christmas. That's the point. It's October 9th. So, here... <laughs> at least like in Texas, <laughs> we have like a whole week off, you know, because I'm a teacher. Right. But for you guys, is it like a few days or like, or is like, what's like the lead up to Thanksgiving for you guys? One day. One day. Off. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's like a long, long weekend basically. Yeah. Okay. Some people make a four day weekend out of it, but it's still a significant holiday. And like, um, generally I see some portion of my family, uh, for it. But yeah, then Christmas is the couple months later. If whoever didn't make it can ideally make the next one. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Well, I want to jump straight into uh, the uh, the interview. So today we have Ross Persichetti. Uh, he is a sculptor and designer who graduated from Savannah College of Arts and Design in 2022, uh, majoring in uh, illustration and with a minor in drawing and sequential art and design for 3D action figures. He uh, he has currently been working on Cyberzoic's project uh, or so the Cyberzoic project for Creative Beast Studios, and has also done work for Hasbro in their Marvel, GI Joe, Star Wars, and Transformer brands. He has also done illustration work uh, on comic uh, comic covers board game art, and toy packaging. Everyone, please welcome Ross Persichetti. Hey. Hey, Ross. How's it going? Hey, guys. Good. How are you? We're doing real well over here. Uh, we're yeah. really happy to have you on and uh, get to talk a little bit about Cyberzoic. It, it was... It, my my first experience was with it was I had saw a post on Facebook, I believe, and it was of the Arctic Dragon, which is what I ended up backing. And I just thought this is like the most creative thing I have seen in a really, really long time. And we'll we'll talk about that that uh, that Arctic Dragon here in uh, in a few minutes. But uh, I wanted to go through some rapid fire questions, just kind of to just trying to get to know you a little bit first. Um, in the intro, we mentioned how uh, you've worked on other types of uh, forms of art such as like the uh, comic covers, board games, things like that. Can you pick mm -hmm. one from each of those categories, the comic covers, the the board games and the toy packaging that have been like your absolute favorite? Oh, that's that's a pretty hard one. Um, well, for for a company called Renegade Game Studios, they do RPG books or RPG games uh, using Transformers and G.I. Joe characters. And I did a lot of illustrations for them. Um, and those were so much fun. Some of them were a collaboration with other artists. Some of them were all, you know, entirely on my own. Um, so those were a ton of fun. I mean, I 
did probably close to a hundred illustrations for them, spanning across multiple different books, you know, the core rule books and the expansion packs and things. So those are always a ton of fun. Um, I have some friends from school that have put together this uh, anthology warrior comic book series thing called Agora. And I had the opportunity to do the cover for them. Um, that was pretty exciting. They're, uh, they're shopping it around, going to conventions and whatnot with that soon. Um, but yeah, yeah. What else do you have? What uh? So what about the? Uh, I'm sorry. What about the toy packaging? Was there anything special? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, for PowerCon, uh, you know, Beast of Mesozoic, uh, we showed off Beast of Mesozoic, Cyberzoic, and all that stuff. But there was a PowerCon exclusive pack, uh, which was like individually carded glow in the dark raptor, Protoceratops, and Cetacosaurus. And uh, I got the opportunity to do the illustrations for those exclusives. Um, and that was my very first official toy packaging art that I did. So that was very exciting. Awesome. Toy um, packaging art to me is, I don't know, it's so it's so interesting to me. The fact that you got to design something is just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's honestly surreal, like realizing some of the things that I've gotten to do. It, it's like, whoa. And then seeing my name on things, it's like, oh, my Gosh, you know, I was, I was just learning to draw. I was just, you know, doodling my notepad in high school and, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's super exciting. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, what do you collect one besides, uh, creative beast stuff and what was the figure that started it for you? Like, what was the, what was the origin story of your collecting? Hmm. Well, I think a lot of collectors can probably relate to this is like we all played with toys as a kid we loved them we had a lot of them and then at some point we told ourselves that we needed to grow up so we got rid of them or set them aside and then at some point down the road we reconnected with them and realized what the heck like i didn't need to grow up i love toys so mm -hmm. i went through that experience um around high school actually maybe a little bit earlier i quit you know, I had Legos and all that stuff, boxed all up, put it away. Um, and then at some point in college, I was originally trying uh, trying to do concept art for video games, but I'm not even a video gamer. Like, I, I, I don't play video games much at all. So I, it took me a minute to realize, what the heck am I doing this for? I love toys. Why don't I just do work for toys? And that kind of brought me back into the swing of things. And I, you know, found my old Transformers, started messing with those. Um, and then I bought my first SH Monster Arts Godzilla, uh, and uh, that kind of exploded it. I mean, it, from, yeah. it was, I got that one, and then I got like the original 64 Godzilla, and then I got, you know, the Shin Godzilla, and then I was like getting Gamera and Ultraman, and then I was like, oh man, what about Marvel Legends? I love Marvel and, yeah. you know, DC, and it just exploded from there. So, yeah. Yeah. I always, uh, I always tell the story to like some of my collector friends, how, um, big, I was always a big power Ranger fan, big Ninja turtle fan as a kid. Um, as I got a little bit older, I got into Gundam wing and the model kits and stuff like that. But I always remember my mom, she goes, Sean, do you want this anymore? And it's like my old flip head power Rangers, the Zords and all this kind of stuff, all this other, like the Gundams and things. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm too busy with school, playing sports and trying to hang out and things like that. She goes, okay, I'm going to garage sell it or throw it away. 
And I was like, okay, whatever. Don't know what happened to it. I don't know which one it ended up being, but, uh, uh, years and years later, I ended up getting a job at a comics book store here in San Antonio. And, uh, and I'm seeing stuff that I used to have <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? That's $50. It's, <laughs> it's like beat the hell <laughs> and stuff. And just like kind of reliving that. And, uh, my adult collecting started in comics, like vintage comics. I was uh-huh. super into, uh, super into Iron Man, uh, the original series and stuff like that. So I would, I started that way. And then I was like, you know what? It'd be cool to have like a figure representation. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend a lot of money. I'll go buy a pop. I was like, well, the pop's not enough now. I need a figure of it. <laughs> you know, I, I had a very funny uh, or like very similar experience with Funko Pops. Like I, at the time that I was not buying or collecting anything, I had Funko Pops. Uh-huh. And I look back, at, I'm not a huge fan of Funko Pops, but I look back at it now, it was just a cheap and easy way to have yep. some of my favorite figures on the shelf. And then, you know, mm-hmm. now, you know, it's, I have the, the real versions of the figures, you know, but uh, yeah. Um, our last question for the rapid fire stuff is what, uh, what are some hobbies that you have outside of figure collecting? Um, you know, well, my, my hobbies now turned into a career, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> with, with drawing and sculpting and stuff like that. But, uh, I have a pretty, pretty large comic book collection. I love reading comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much just consuming all pop culture, movies, TV, um, all that kind of stuff. If you uh, had to put a number on how many uh, comics you have, what what's the magic number? <laughs> uh, a lot. Um, I'm trying to think back when I moved from college, and I thought of it more in terms of weight because yeah, of how heavy boxes. the boxes were. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a couple hundred pounds of comics. That's for Jeez. sure. So oh, I thought I had nuts. a lot at at like uh, two thousand. I think I had about two thousand. I narrowed it down to a a short box and a CGC box. You see the uh, when you start calculating by weight, that's definitely a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, um, why don't you uh, go ahead and just take a minute, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, well, like I said before, my name's Ross Persichetti. Um, I'm based in central Florida, not too far from Disney and, uh, graduated from SCAT last year with a degree in illustration. And I've since worked with Hasbro, um, Marvelette on Marvel Legends, Transformers and GI Joe and, and, and also a Transformers project. And I do illustration, sculpting, design for all sorts of things, big companies, big and small. And, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of toys and figures myself, yeah. so I think that kind of helps helps uh, helps work and things like that. But yeah, that's me. I I do have a question then in regards to collecting. What's your favorite scale right now? Um, hmm. I, I I think it's probably still six inch right now. I love the one eighteenth, you know, three and three quarter. I can tell you my least favorite scale and that's seven inch. Uh, I'm not too big of a fan of that, uh, but yeah. I, I just, just out of curiosity, um, you just, you mentioned that you uh, graduated last year. So like that's a, that's a pretty uh, impressive list of companies you've worked with in, in that short amount of time. I'm just sort of curious. Is that like, do you feel like that's, um, the way they break up work at those sort of companies, that's sort of representative of somebody with your background or like, 
did you just do something really cool that got these people's attention? Like, what's the story there? Yeah. So, um, it was kind of unbelievable the way it all happened, but, uh, um, I, I initially started working with Creative Beast Studio around the same time I did the illustrations for the RPG games for, you know, G.I. Joe Transformers. And that was just me trying to look and find work, you know, summer work in between school years. Um, and then I took a sculpting class at SCAD and I found out that they actually recruit people out of the program to do a contract position with Hasbro. So I went through that whole pipeline and they brought me on for a year and I got to work full time with them for a year uh, and then now freelancing for them. So uh, I I was working alongside um, other recent college graduates uh, at the time. And uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome. (laughs) Yeah, right in on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. The Cyberzoic Project, 1,638 backers and $609,470 $609,470 in pledges. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. And y'all were almost down to the wire on that too with that with the dragon, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. T- talk about the 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 Kickstarter process and and why y'all went that way and uh the story behind Cyberzoic. Yeah, so um, Cyberzoic is, is Dave Silva's brainchild. You know, he, he, he's been working out this story and these characters and this concept since, and so some of the characters reach back all the way when he was in high school. So, uh, he, he th- this Cyberzoic was kind of his opportunity to release his own IP in a toy line, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and he's talked about it many times where, he grew up in the 80s where there was all original ideas. You think about the great things we still buy today, you know, started in the 80s, you know, Transformers and all that stuff. So this is this is his shot at putting out something original. And um, when I was looking for an internship, some summer work, uh, I had reached out to him. If I was actually looking to see if NECA had any work uh, because I wasn't familiar with Creative Beast at the time. And uh, he was like, well, I don't think NECA has, has anything for you, but I might be able to use you. So I started doing design work for him uh, about two and a half years ago. And uh, now we're at a fully funded Kickstarter, things you know, going into production, three waves of figures you know, funded. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable. You know, and it's, you know, I, I guess I didn't cover the topic or, or the subject of Cyberzoic, but dragons versus armored dinosaurs, you know. Yeah, what's better than that? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't get much cooler. So, I was just gonna say, you were this is your this is your uh, first Kickstarter with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was around during the Tyrannosaur Kickstarter, um, but I wasn't contributing any work to that. I was just still doing Cyberzoic work behind the scenes. Yes, yeah. Um, And I was actually, uh, I, I didn't answer another part of your question, uh, how we came to doing another Kickstarter. Originally, um, Dave was thinking about putting this out as uh, like just a pre-order. You were just gonna do the Utah Raptor and the, the Achillivator and their armor sets and put them up for pre-order. But uh, he kind of wanted to go bigger, go home, you know, full launch with, with the dragon and the Allosaurus and the Smilodon and all the different waves. And I think it definitely paid off. Uh, oh yeah, seeing the results of the Kickstarter. So yeah, yeah, 
yeah it's the 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 variety in the line is 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 a huge draw yeah mm -hmm. y'all had mentioned in your live stream i guess about two weeks ago now or so maybe a week ago that uh there's like different waves that the uh the uh, pre-ordering is going to happen so we didn't just lose out if the kickstarter didn't if it funded and that was like that was it right so mm -hmm. now you're in another phase of of the pre-order process if you will can you talk a little bit about that and and sure. like what what the fans have to expect from from the ordering process or the retail uh, side of it yeah yeah so during the kickstarter we have everything set at the cheapest price possible um so that there, there's a little bit of advantage to buying in early um and then now we're transitioning into opening up pre-orders uh, through our website, uh, creative-piece.com, and opening up the backing kit, which is available to everybody who backed. And that'll open up sometime in February. Um, and there's a little bit of price increase in the pre-order uh, from, from the Kickstarter price to the pre-order. And then when it gets eventually released, it'll go up to regular retail price. Um, so there's, you know, the... Kickstarter's lowest price goes up a little bit for pre-order and then uh, final price for retail and release. So, so if uh, somebody didn't get in the Kickstarter, there's still time to uh, to get their hands on some of this stuff, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, the only things that aren't available outside of the Kickstarter are the, the Kickstarter exclusive box set of the Smilodon yeah. uh, that was an homage to Dino Riders and then the Cyberzoic print by Louis LaRosa. Okay, it's That's very awesome. cool. My my first experience with uh, Creative Beasts was through a uh, a former co-host of of us here at Small Talk, and he was real big into the Beasts of the Mesozoic line, just in general. And we've talked about like the Jurassic Park stuff and and you know like other dinosaur lines, things like that. But he was adamant about like, hey, go check out Creative Beasts, go check out Beasts of the Mesozoic. These things are awesome. And uh, one of our local shops here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, that I would go to every now and then just because it's kind of across town. But he was the only person that I knew who who had him. And once I saw them, I was like, Jesus, these are so much better than just going to Target and picking up a Jurassic Park um, uh, dinosaur. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, with all that, like what what is your process in saying like okay we want to do this dinosaur like how far back do you guys go in research like how accurate is it to what used to be and and things like that definitely well um i i can only speak on so much of that aspect uh because i've only sculpted one of the dinosaurs and, and kind of see the process on, on, on a fraction of what has been made so far um, but a lot of research goes into exactly how these dinosaurs looked. I mean, we try to scour the internet for everything that, uh, available on dinosaurs and the fossils and everything like that. I mean, you, some of them even have skin impressions that have been left behind. Um, one of which like Carnotaurus, you know, that had uh, uh, quite a bit of skin impressions um, found that we've sort of worked with the artist to match onto our sculpt. Uh, uh, for that figure. So um, on, on the scientific part of it, we do, we work very hard and work with a lot of people who are, you know, 
more versed in dinosaurs than us, you know, to ensure that it's the best it can be. Um, and the dinosaur selection, I mean, we honestly want to do everything. I mean, it, there's everything's an option. It's just a matter of time and budget, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and how it fits into a release schedule. And also with Cyberzoic, the story, the best thing about doing Cyberzoic now is that we can kind of release things in Beast in the Mesoic and things in Cyberzoic. So you're kind of getting double the figures almost, you know, because we can, we can release the Carnotaurus here, the Denonicus here, and, you know, yeah. kind of split it up. So there's more opportunities to have more dinosaurs now. Are you and, were saying as well with the Spinosaurus, it changes from so many times uh, just since you started working there, the iterations from the research has changed it several times. Yeah, it, it, that, that dinosaur, it seems like they can't figure out what the heck it looks like. And with as expensive as figure tooling is, you know, we, we don't want to rush into that one. And, and then by the end of production, it looks something, it looked completely different, you know? So, so you mentioned that you, uh, you worked on one of the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I sculpted the Donaticus. So through the sculpting and design, what specifically were, was your roles, your roles in uh, the Cyberzoic project and how long had you been involved with this? I think you mentioned about two and a half years or so kind of behind the scenes, but like, what did it look like? What was the day to day? Uh, what's your process? What's your, uh, what, what's the, uh, the big plan? Sure. It? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was initially brought on, we, we, we were kind of just figuring out what the idea could be in toy form. Um, and I was initially designing some characters and, uh, you know, we, we talk, we'd have a phone call once a week, Dave and I, uh, to review new drawings, new ideas, and just talk things over. Um, and, and things were always changing. So I initially started designing a lot of the human characters and we started out doing the tech client stuff and then went into the fire clan. And then it, I eventually toyed around with drawing some of the dinosaur armors. Um, and that opened up new questions about how we would tackle those. And then eventually we came up with the transforming aspects of it. And uh, he, would, he would kind of come up with an idea of how he wants it to look. And he would say, all right, Ross, go draw. And I'd come up with a couple of sketches and, and we'd review them next week. And he'd be like, all right, do that. And uh, I would just work out some design drawings. And most of the stuff he's posted or I've posted and are on his website or mine. So yeah, it, it uh, Surprisingly, it was a lot more straightforward. Um, and I think like for the transforming armors, I think that it helped that we're both a huge fan of transformers and I was also a Lego kid. So I think that kind of concept kind of comes a little bit naturally to me, um, just figuring that those ideas out. Um, and then of course, oh, we have an awesome team of sculptors that, that do some, do some great things with the drawings, and translating them to 3d. So. It's definitely one giant team of people working together. You know, I, I can't take credit for, for w w a whole project because it's always so many hands in the pot making it the best thing possible, you know? I, I was going to ask, um, you met, so how do you guys, um, what do you do to sort of standardize that sculpting process for a, for a line like Cyberzoic? Does everybody do things sort of their own way, and you, but you sort of agree on a few sort of technical basics? How, how does that work? Um, well, uh, 
Dave, you know, he, he art directs and, and manages a lot of it from the top. So he'll send along my drawings. I'll do parts breakdowns and things like that. So, you know, the sculptors will have an understanding of how it needs to be broken down. Um, and then once that's done, they'll go through back and forth editing process, whether Dave's taking care of it. I am um, just giving notes and things to make sure everything's cohesive. And I, I've actually gone in through some of the sculpts and edited certain things to make sure hands are compatible. You know, heads can be popped on all the different bodies and lined, right? Just to make sure, you know, even though we have a bunch of different sculptors, everything is compatible and uniform. So nice. yeah, there, there's definitely lots of rounds of edits to make sure everything is right. Um, which, you know, it, as a sculptor myself, I know how, how annoying edits are to do. So it, it, it helps when I'm talking with other sculptors that can be like, hey, I understand how frustrating it is, but this is what we got to do. And, you know, kind of share the same annoyed feelings about edits. But. Well, that it's great to hear you mention uh, sort of making sure limbs and stuff are compatible because that's, that's you know, that I think that's uh, one of the things that really sort of shines about the, the beast of the Mesozoic and Cyberzoic is just like it's sort of coming from a t sort of a toy action figure enthusiast perspective. Whereas like sometimes with, you know, like with some of the Hasbro stuff, like the ball joints and the heads are not all the same. The foot pegs are not all the same. And it, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a multitude of reasons for that. It's a totally different scale of operation. Right. But, um, yeah. is there, but is, is there sort of like, uh, like is Dave talking to you guys, like there's a design philosophy in mind that here's some sort of key, issues we want to think about because i think it plays into everything even down to the scale the fact that this stuff can sit alongside five other toy lines that you might have and it sort of fits right in mm -hmm. yeah i mean we we are definitely i mean I, we're all action figure lovers and collectors so we think about every little detail when it comes to these figures you know the making sure that weapons can be compatible. Like we just want to make sure that we're pleasing the fans because we are the fans. So we know, we, we, we sort of know exactly what, how it should be, you know? It's just interesting because I don't know if you guys would sort of include um, the idea that the limbs are swappable in as advertising material, say, but it's interesting yeah. that you, you thought about it and included it. And it's sort of like, is is there sort of like an underlying design philosophy that's sort of accounting for all this stuff even though it's really not part of the uh, like a promoted detail for example but gotcha. it sounds like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i'm not entirely i haven't tested out any type of like limb sharing i i know i made sure about hands you know wrist popping, right you know because I, I i always like if, if we're spending the time making all these figures why not make the hands and heads compatible yeah this um, stuff doesn't exist yet we're not making any promises for you but it's cool that you guys <laughs> thought about yeah. it it's good yeah yeah. So did, did with that kind of thought, did did it limit you guys at all? Like with some of the cybernetic pieces? Because I I was kind of thinking I was like, man, all of that is pure imagination. You know, you can like put this this cannon on this dinosaur, and you can hook it up to this generator, mm -hmm. and you know, like have all these ideas. So was there like any kind of limitation through like having to um, like uh, be able to piece it together? I know on your y'all's live stream you said that the uh, the cybernetic pieces should just kind of clip on like when when y'all did it in the in the example like it seemed like it was magnetized and it just kind of sat there perfectly mm -hmm. yeah well as for like the armor pieces um, they'll they'll all be like a, a you know a softer plastic can or, well depending on the build of the armor some of them have like a strap 
and a saddle piece. And those will just be two separate pieces that hook into one another. Some of them are pieces that'll be slightly flexible and be like a friction fit. Um, but what, one thing that I was really pushing for that uh, will be in the line is that all of the weapons will be five millimeter ports. Um, so it'll be cross compatible across all the armor sets. And then also, if any of you guys are Transformers fan, you know, I see a few back there. Uh, uh, most of the Transformers weapons are five millimeter ports. So it's fully compatible with those as well. So, I mean, you can kind of go crazy with the, the guns, blades, and blasters. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely some crossover with some of the weaponry there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've already mentioned them a couple of times. Uh, David Silva, he's y'all, uh, y'all's uh, CEO. Uh, what about some of the other artists, the other sculptors, your team? How, uh, what kind of different roles do they all have, like in the Cyberzoic as a whole, but also within Creative Beasts? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for for the most part, um, everybody worked with as a freelancer. Um, and hired per project, but okay. just just to name a few people, I mean, Aaron Doyle, he, he's a fantastic sculptor. He actually sculpted the forest dragon. Um, he sculpted a lot of the armor sets, including the razor hound um, and the Allosaurus armor set. Um, there's Fred Asan, <clears throat> excuse me, and he, you might, know his name from he sculpts a ton of the gi joe classified stuff he did a lot of our human figures um he's another fantastic sculptor there, there's chris albers chris chaotic albers uh he, he he's was another what he's the guy in live stream with us uh he's a fantastic sculptor he did the smile on armor sculpt and the pirate actor sculpt um and, and you know he, he he's part of the team now and helping out and, and a lot of the marketing and communications and things, you know, it, it, if you ever have the opportunity of meeting him at a show, I mean, he's, he's an awesome character, you know, he, he's great with people. Yeah, How big is the team? Ton of people. Yeah, even if you have available a credits page from the Kickstarter, I mean, there's so many names, so many people that were involved. I, I always like to tell people is, is thousands of hours across many artists' work desks that made Cyberzoic possible. Oh, okay, awesome. so, so it's. Uh, I was gonna say the core, the core team. Uh, how how about how many people are in, are on the Cyberzoic team? I guess it's the better or the Creative Beasts. Yeah, um, is the better question. Sorry, I, I I'd say the the immediate team would probably be Dave, Chris, and myself, and uh, yeah, everyone else as of right now are just working with freelance. That's awesome. So I see the I see the uh, the full list here now. Sorry, yeah. So it's yeah. it's twenty to thirty. So it's a significant uh, yeah uh, uh, group of people there. Yeah, Matt uh, Matt Holt, another one. He painted a lot of the prototypes uh, for the Cyberzoic series, and he, he did a phenomenal job. I mean, in this image here, uh, he painted everything but Dragolina and the smile on armor. So yeah, wow. the paintwork on on this. That stand the sculpt and the paintwork just stands out so much on, on the, um, the like, all the dinosaurs that you guys have done before this, and then just the colors and stuff on this line in particular with the dragon there. It's just r really stands out. It's, it's, really high quality. I feel like um, and 
like the when I look at the scales on the dinosaurs, it's like it's just really awesome the 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 work that you guys have. Yeah, a lot of uh, some of our sculptors that do work on the dinosaurs, they you know they work in the movie and video game industry, so they're, they're you know very high level artists. So we work with some of the best. So I've awesome. definitely uh, played a good few hours of Jurassic Park, uh, <laughs> the park builder. So <laughs> the, uh, seeing the, the skins and scales and stuff up close, like in the games and yeah, seeing them in figure form is, is awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're going to kind of run through some of these pictures. So, um, if you can just give us a little bit more context to each, uh, to each one, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I can talk for days about some of this stuff, so I'll, I'll try to restrain myself. <laughs> Nerd out, man. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was one thing I was really uh, interested in. I'm I'm a big fan of like storylines, right? And uh, especially just coming from the comic background. So what is the story of the Cyberzoic? Uh, I'm just going to call it the community, the empire, right. Of, of this world. I see there's, there's the technologists, the fire, uh, uh, clans, the desert clans, water clans, and then the, uh, the unsettled dragons. So like, how yeah. does all this kind of fall into the story? So uh, basically Cyberzoic takes place within our own timeline. It's in our future to a point where we've sort of, uh, decimated, the resources of our own planet and we're sending out scout ships and scientists to explore the galaxy for other planets um, that are in inhabitable and we find Gaia too um, and those scientists you know uh, are, are met with a lot of threats with the indigenous life um, a lot of which we know as dragons and eventually we develop you know, a civilization, we're able to fight back the dragons and, and, you know, take over land. And then once things are finally, once we sort of build civilization, we start fighting one another. So, you know, just human instinct, you know, always messing things up. And, Tragic. You know, yeah, we, we divided into different clans um, with different values and, and different design languages and, and things like that. And that's where we have technologists, fire, desert, water, and then the dragon clan. So the story kind of kicks off from there with uh, the, the combating clans. Um, yeah. And you can see that in each of the different, you know, armors and dinosaurs. Yeah. So the indigenous life, the dragons. Oh, and I guess I forgot Gyanor's point. The scientists uh, to combat the dragons uh, revive uh, the dinosaurs with the DNA that we've taken from Earth. Uh, so we utilize the dinosaurs to combat the indigenous life and thus dinosaurs on Gaia too. I, I thought that was the That's the good. part <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> the part of your live stream where Dave's talking a little bit about how the how the lore is sort of yet to be fleshed out in some areas. And like, it seems like he has some ideas, but he obviously haven't got it out there yet. And you sort of like ambiguous as to which clan we're supposed to be rooting for, if any. And that's, that's really fun. It's sort of like, it's like, you know, if you had to bet on which one of these guys is like kind of better than a um, little more like on the, the correct moral track than the others from right now, it's, it's really hard to say probably not the technologists. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I really like that it is misleading um, to where like you can almost choose your own hero of the story. I think it's all about perspective. 
in the way that the story is told. And I'm excited for the comic book to, to, to get out there, you know, because it's going to really inform all the awesomeness that there is in Cyberzoic. So. That's so cool. Yeah, the world that that he's building or your team is, I should, uh, I understand he's his brainchild, sorry. But um, yeah, it's very cool, the, uh, the, uh, the lore behind it and whatnot. And when he was saying that, could expand into other uh, media and whatnot. Uh, I didn't realize, sorry, that the, uh, I may have missed that the comic was already in the works, but uh, I understand <laughs> he was even considering possibly looking at show, uh, doing a show even at some point. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like when, when I first started uh, doing design work, he gave me a giant homework assignment and it was this Google docs with all of the lore that he had come up with thus far. Um, wow. At that point, it wasn't broken into like a narrative structure for the comic book. It was just like lore on lore on lore and details and characters and information. Make it make sense. So, <laughs> so it, it, it was a lot to take in. And then that kind of just picked and chose elements of it. It was like, all right, let's figure out what this may look like or this part may look like. You know, it, there was so much, so many different pieces going on with, with the whole project. It was like, the constant brain stream download that you received. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you're mentioning, we've been mentioning the comic book. So what's, uh, what's the big plan for that? So are y'all trying to get into comic stores or is this something that's going to be exclusive to the creative beast website or how are y'all putting that out? I'm not entirely sure what the full plan is for it. Um, I, I think that, that may be a better question for Dave. We want to tell as much story as possible. Sure. Um, and instead of like to story, you know, serving the sale of toys, trying to like, you know, toys serve, serve the, the story. story, you know, like, you know, it's not just like, Oh, the battle of the week. You know, it's, 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 there's really awesome narrative themes involved in the story. It's a really cool character. So we're taking our time with it. Chris, were you going to mention something? Oh, well, yeah, it just sounds like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a little too early for you to talk about it, but like, what's the break, the breakdown for roles on the comics? Like is Dave writing? Are you doing some illustration for it? Or is it too early to talk about that? Um, Dave, Dave is writing, uh, alongside Tad Galusha, which is our primary artist. He is doing pencils, ink and colors for the book. Wow. Um, at least for the initial issue, I'm not sure if those roles will be broken up further to help it, help them out because that's a lot of work. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. we're dealing with super detailed dinosaurs, super detailed characters, and the armor on top. I I, he, I don't envy that job. He he he's working very hard. Um, as of right now, I'm not uh, working on anything involved with the comic other than producing some designs for the toys, which show up in the comic. Cool. Um, but yeah. There will be more information to come, you know, as, as things move along, though. And so it's on the it's on the horizon, basically. Yeah. Cool. So um, we have the Allosaurus here, right? Or as I like to call it, the uh, not T-Rex. The weird T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so um, are the... Are the stands required for this? What's the best way for for fans to be able to pose this in a way if they just if they just got the dinosaur and not and not the uh, the armor pieces? Yeah, well, um, all of the the theropod dinosaurs like this, um, they'll they'll be coming with a new stand that we're developing. Um, the prototype of that stand is seen in a couple of the images 
uh, from the Kickstarter. Um, some of our figures from the uh, Tyrannosaur series actually stood pretty well without the stand. Um, it's hard to say right now because they're, they're, you know, resin prototypes that's not in the same density or, or the material that it will be in, you know, a production model. Um, so, so they will have a stand included. Um, to say whether or not they'll, it'll be able to balance on its own without it, it's hard to say right now. Some of our others have in the past, um, but I can't really say about the Alice. Well, but I like it with the stand. That, that's cool. That's cool because you know, like it looks a little bit like it. It goes more from fossil reference than than uh, just you know, because everybody who listens to CW knows Zach, Zach on the main show was so offended by the gigantic feet on the Hammond Collection T Rex that he actually had custom smaller feet made that he put on his Hammond Collection T Rex. So you know, the, this this aesthetically probably looks a little more in line with the, what the real animal would have looked like. But uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. We we, we even when we cut up articulation, we will like make we'll, we'll do the best we can to keep all of the anatomy and everything accurate. We don't want to like morph things too much and, you know, out of whack into spheres to make it easier for articulation. We'll engineer around the anatomy, you know, so, so everything is, is scientifically accurate, you know, which is the value in, in, in our toys. Um, but yeah, the oversized feet, man, I, I get it, you know, because to pack in a stand for a figure that's meant for, you know, all yeah. ages, you know, they, yeah. they, they have limitations because they have such a, Oh, I didn't mind it. I, I I got the Hammond Collection T Rex, and I will not be swapping the feet. I just thought it was funny that Zach was like, "I I can't stand for it." No, it's just it's not it's not accurate. Damn it! I'm, I just I'm enjoyed getting... the figure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you, that's a great piece. Yeah, for the know, price especially. Dylan yeah. and him were talking about it, and I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot, and that was kind of like my introduction. I never really like, uh, of course, as a kid, had interest in dinosaurs, but uh more so recently in my like adult collecting and things like that never really had any interest in it and i i gave that uh that hammond collection t-rex a, a shot and i i really really liked it and i actually picked up um the triceratops the velociraptor and i think i have one more i don't remember what it is but um i'm just i mean oh uh, well, we'll get to it in a second. We're going to talk about the uh, the Arctic, the Arctic Dragon, but there are so many more of of these guys that I wanted. Uh, so I was, I was super happy to make sure that it was uh, coming out a couple other times, you know, pre-orders and yeah. retail stores. But we have here the uh, Allosaurus all decked out in his armor pieces. Talk about mm-hmm. um, how these actually connect, right? Like this, this armor yeah. piece actually turns into a vehicle and then who the figure is. Yeah, so Argentius is the human figure there, um, and he is one of the uh, leaders of the technologist clan, or the tech clan, and uh, he, he's going to be one of the initial main characters in our first issue of the comic book, and his mount is the Allosaurus with the Dragon Slayer armor unit. Um, and then one of the awesome uh, features of the tech clan armors is that all the parts can be used to reconfigure into a vehicle mode for our, our riders, our human figures. So this one actually reconverts into a hover tank vehicle. So the, you know, the side rail turrets, you know, they swivel around into the front forward facing position. And, you know, the head helmet splits in half and becomes wings. 
uh, or like stabilizers for the hover tank. And, you know, it, it, it's really cool. This is our Smilodon, which is, you know, how, how can you not love a saber tooth tiger? Is, <laughs> this is awesome. You know, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a few other, uh, beast style, uh, figures from, from some other places I'm interested in getting this. And then when I saw this, I was like, I really regret not backing this right now. <laughs> yeah. And well, and the really cool thing about this figure is, um, for Cyberzoic, we scaled him up to one twelfth so that uh -huh. he would be the right size to be a mount. And in story, you know, because the scientists brought these dinosaurs or, or, or animals back to life using their DNA, they had the creative liberty of making an animal bigger or smaller. So it works in story. Um, and then our Beast of Cenozoic line, it, that will premiere the 118th version of the Smilodon. Um, but this one, you know, can work in, you know, Cyberzoic as a mount, or you could plug and play it with other 112 scale lines. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it gets them about battle cat size right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I we, love we, an army of, the, of those, you know. We, we keep hearing about battle cat repaints. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dicey. I, Dicey. This is the sculpting and paintwork that I'm talking about, though. It's like, it's just really detailed, great, great stuff here. All right. So this is the guy I'm most excited to talk about. This is awesome. This is, this is, I backed this guy and I was, and I sat on it for like four days. Like when I finally decided to, to back something, right? And man, I almost came down to the wire. I did it day of, like, I, like I knew the live stream was coming out that day and I was like, you know what? I just need a bite and, uh, talking with my wife, like, Hey, I want to get this. This is, this is cool. This is the plan, you know, stuff like this and brave. Yeah. The cool thing with her is, is, um, she allowed me to kind of have like a, like a Kickstarter of my own as far as how I collect my, uh, my, uh, or how I, uh, fund my collection. And she helped me out a little bit on this one and I sold some stuff, paid it back. We're all good, all nice and even back to where we were supposed to be. But man, this guy is impressive. 10 inches yeah. tall, 31 inches in length. What, like what was going on here? Like this guy is huge. Yeah, well th this one, um, th this was kind of Dave's baby. Uh, he, he had, originally designed and sculpted this dragon years ago as a model kit. Um, and and uh, it was, you know, posed in a statue form and it was like hand pressed on top of a narwhal on a block of ice. It was just really epic model kit. And it looked almost identical to this same paint scheme and everything. So now we're in the fortunate situation where we can turn it into an action figure. Um, so that's what we've done here. Besides it. And the Arctic Dragon um, is actually uh, another one of the main characters um, as, as the dragons are super intelligent and have a way of communicating to, with the humans. So maybe this, I mean, this, this, maybe if this is something we should bother Dave about, but like, I, I'm just so curious, like what the behind the scenes conversations are when, and, and I guess this is an older design, but I'm sure you're going to have to work through stuff like this as the line goes on. But like this dragon looks like a hybrid of like 
three or four different animals, right? To me, to me at least, you know, you got like some parrot in there. There's something going on with the the legs because they, you know, they don't scream dragon to me and the wings are almost like vestigial, like they're going away because he doesn't need to use them in his environment or whatever. Like, there's so like, how do you guys, how do you guys sort of discuss that stuff internally? I heard on the stream, you guys mentioned a, like a herbivore dragon. So like, is it a sort of a process of like picking and choosing different animals to pull from or how does that work? Yeah, um, it's it's less like forming a chimera and more like thinking about how a species might evolve given what we know about animals and wildlife. So uh, you you hit it right on the head talking about the vestigial wings, like you know they, they've sort of evolved away with with no longer needing to have uh, wings for flight. Um, so, so all the dragons go through like a very intense process of imagining the environment that they came from, how they might have evolved over time, their purpose, their hunting practices, you know. So, so we, and I think that's sort of why they almost fit perfectly with our dinosaurs because everything's so connected to real life. You know, we're not, we're not designing on the rule of cool, just sticking wings and arms and everything, you know, or horns, wherever. It's all rooted in science and anatomy and evolution. Um, so like the forest dragon, the the wings at one point were double the size to actually realize like the size of the wings it would need to be in order for it to fly. They had to be scaled down for, you know, realistic production, but you know, in order to fly something that size, it needs a ginormous wingspan. So everything goes through a pretty rigorous process of figuring out, you know, why and how. I just, yeah, it's just so fun to hear that those conversations are actually happening in an environment where people are being paid to make action figures. It's, it's good <laughs> yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to talk about just a couple more of these. There's, there's so many, right? Y'all had yeah. a third, was it 13 sets total? Oh, man, was... I don't even know. I didn't even put a number on it. I just knew there, there was a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this one. Oh, this one, this one's so cool. Is there Dryptosaurus armor uh, with its armor? And this was the very first armor that I designed for Cyberzoic. Um, nice. And it, it was so exciting to see this one realized in 3D and to see it have come this far. Um, and, and, and for this particular one, it, it doesn't have a transforming or a parts forming function. Um, so this way, you know, also at a che- slightly cheaper level to buy in at, and uh, story-wise, it, it works in story-wise and as well. It's sort of like the visual transition between the more primitive armors and the fire clan evolving into more tech-based armors. So it has you know that primitive armor medieval feel, but you'll see that it has like the tech-enhanced horn and the light piping, you know, and, and the, the the energy vessel in his chest. He so said light early. piping, guys. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Power of the Force Jawa, like glowing eyes stuff, man. That's cool. Yeah. So so that's what I was gonna ask. So it, it has that chest piece. What did you what did you call it? Uh I, I think I said like power vessel. Is that like the power what I said? vessel? So yeah. is there a story behind like what's feeding him through this tube to I guess power up his his big old horn there? Uh, it's definitely an energy of some kind. Um, there'd definitely be more of that explained and explored in the comic book. Twisted yeah. tea. 
Yeah. <laughs> and who's the writer? Yeah, that's um, uh, Dragling is her main character, but uh, she originally started out in the Fire Clan, where she was. Her name was Helena. Um, so that's her and her gladiator armor. And then what about some of these other guys? So um, you can buy these separately as well. Is that what I understood? So like you're, if yeah. you're not really interested in the, the cyberzoic side of it, you can still get a pretty accurate dinosaur. Definitely. Definitely. And you know, a lot of our fan base is, you know, are, are, they're only into the dinosaurs. So we didn't want to exclude them from, you know, cyberzoic and, you know, by having it all packed in together. We wanted to leave it open for our existing fan base and also bring on new ones with the sci-fi element. So that's actually how the transforming armor function came about because we had to come up with an idea of how the armor could be a valuable toy on its own. You know, if you don't get a dinosaur, you just get an armor set. Well, how do you make that, you know, something more than just an armor set? So that's how we came up with the robotic animals and the vehicles and stuff like that. So everything can be purchased separately, dinosaur armor, human, or bought together in a bundled deal. Yeah. Uh, so two more that I want to talk about. So uh, talk to me about this guy and, and his rider. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is the Fire Knight um, and the Dilophosaurus with the Pyrodactyl armor. Um, this is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the, the Pyrodactyl armor, you know, the front fire clan stuff, uh, the armors convert into robotic animals. So this one turns into like a giant, uh, you know, robotic pterodon dragon type creature. Um, and then his rider is the fire knight, which, uh, I designed, sculpted, and I actually painted this prototype too. Yeah. So is that what the, I think y'all showed it on the live stream. I don't remember if it was painted or not, but it's like a big skeletal, like, dragon piece yep. but it's actually the the armor is that what yeah it is? that 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 one was the the uh earlier prototype version that we showed off at powercon and then after after powercon we had some discussions and 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 pushed the design and sculpt uh, a little bit further and that's how we came upon this but yeah that big giant bony skeletal dragon is uh what it transforms into okay and then I got this guy. So this is this was your big last tier reveal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The lizard dragon. What was the idea behind this guy? I love the wings. They almost look like really butterfly-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and for 175, that's 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 not bad. It's not as much as that Arctic dragon. So, what are you getting, and and how's this guy gonna uh, be finished off? Yeah, yeah. So um, th this this guy was uh, inspired by uh, you know the flying lizards, the gliding lizards, um, and he's got this giant set of wings. And we're working out how uh, those wings will work. You know, because we, we want to get like a wire running through them, or possibly multiple wires, um, so that you can bend and flex it however you want. Um, but you, know, you see it has sort of like a butterfly joint. So you have the flapping motion and, you know, full, full level articulation everywhere else and articulated tongue. Um, he'll actually have swappable tongues. So you can see there in the image oh, where he has like the sort of poking out like a snake. And then you also oh, yeah. have, have one that you can pop in there for the mouth to be fully closed. Um, 
but yeah, th th this guy is uh, part of the third wave. So probably about two years out from him being released. So we, we still have time to, you know, fine tune and, and adjust to make sure it's the best figure possible. You know, but yeah, the forest dragon unlocked in the, the last 30 minutes of the live or the Kickstarter. And when we caught that moment on live stream, it's very exciting. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. You mentioned the, uh, like the timeline, like a couple years out. So I noticed that some of these guys had uh, 2024 release dates. Others had 2025 release dates. What was like the thought behind that? Why are they so spread out? Um, so, so we broke it up into basically like uh, wave one, two, and three, uh, which is how Dave sort of handled all of his previous Kickstarters. Um, just because that, that's the best way to manage it, you know, with the amount of production and, you know, when you're dealing with the, the factories and the fine cuts, and the tooling and the paint samples and everything like that, if we were to try like go at this all at one, all at once, one giant wave, it, it would be too much to manage. And I also don't think uh, people's budgets are that high <laughs> for figure spending. So it, it works out better to break it up by wave, space it out. And it also gives us time to develop Cyberzoic 2. And so with that, that one was different than the one that you said that had this wing scaled down. You said that was the forest dragon that had the wings scaled back? That was the dragon I was referring to. That was to. the one? Okay, I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah. Originally, so, the wings were like double the size. They were, they were, yeah, they were already, huge, they're still significant. Awesome yeah, to have. yeah it would be awesome to have, but I don't think anybody's shelf can contain that. And I also don't think it would be very reasonable to, to produce, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, it's a real if anyone statement wants piece. to see that, check out their Instagram. You can see the, them uh, painting the uh, yeah. that prototype as well. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, is what you you wanted... worked on, correct? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is my baby. This is my uh, a little Denonicus. I, I was gonna say I was gonna screw up the pronunciation, but you you did the the dinosaur work, correct? And uh, the GI Joe mm -hmm. sculptor worked on the the rider. Yeah. So. Um... We're, actually, th this one started out as a conversation at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I guess it would have been last year. We were working the table, and I was like, hey, I'd like a sculpted dinosaur. Do you have something I could work on? And he was like, well, you could, you could try working the Denonicus. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the way it turned out. Um, and I think he's a fan favorite. Uh, you know, because the Jurassic Park Raptors were based on the Dodonicus, you know, uh, so it, it's a pretty popular species. And then I also sculpted the armor set for this one, which was a ton of fun, you know, and, and nice. You know, th th this one's all fully loaded up, you know, utilizing that port system because I, I came up with all sorts of different weapons to plug in onto it. And then th there you can see I designed like a port hub that you can just. Yeah plug everything you want into it so it can be like a you know a weapons runner in battle bringing weapons to to other characters oh, that's and, cool into war because one of the features that we actually designed during the kickstarter is there's going to be grips um like trigger grips that slide onto some of these weapons so that they can be used by the human characters um so not only do they port onto the dinosaur armors themselves but you can utilize them for the human figures that's awesome that's awesome this is he's really a pack cool. mule with heavy arm artillery yeah that's good yeah yeah <laughs> no, I can, I, go ahead go, go uh, i was just gonna say now that one um that one doesn't need the stand then 
Um, because of the feathered, the big feathered wings, uh, it doesn't necessarily need the stand. Um, I, I'm not sure if that one's going to become with the stand um, uh, because I'm, it can't stand on its own. Uh, I think that's still being worked out. Very cool. Yeah, I was curious because yeah, I I do like the fact that they come with them because, I mean, nowadays to even uh, beg a company to to get something that that you can use to help them uh, stay balanced. But yeah. the fact you guys are thinking about that, and especially with the design of the dinosaur, you kind of have to, um, and, and, and then the armor on, but I think, I think that's that, uh, I'm glad you guys are doing that. It's really, it's really yeah. cool. Just through the, you're talking of, of, of the Donaticus, right? Is, did I yeah. say that right? Um, just like in the, in a TV show or in the comic, just kind of like see him like, like, running at full speed to like help them out and drop off some weapons and run right back and, and things like that. Kind of like gliding over uh, like rocks and boulders and stuff like that. Uh, it, that makes for a really exciting uh, a figure. Um, besides your baby here, the, the Donaticus, what was your favorite piece in the Kickstarter? Oh man. You know, I was thinking about that the entire time because we would all, you know, hang out together working together on projects and talk as we sculpted and, and stuff and we, we would ask each other that and it was always changing you know because i would see the new images you know because because sometimes we only got to see a piece of a project you know we sculpt it and then it get 3d printed by somebody else and painted by somebody else and eventually we see the photo of the prototype so it's sort of a surprise on, on all of them um so my favorite was always changing but if i had to pick a favorite I'd probably say the Dryptosaurus armor set, the big blade head. Um, that 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 was the very first design that I did over two years ago, and it, it it's sort of like I don't know, nostalgic to me in a way. It's like it, I I drew it, and I was I don't even know what I was doing. I was just sketching around, figuring things out, and to see it realized in a toy like that, it, I think that's got to be my favorite one. And plus, I got to handle that prototype here here in my office and painting the armor so yeah it, the giant blade stands out <laughs> it's it's badass so uh ross you got any uh you got any prototypes are those all going back to dave man like what's the what's the inside scoop <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're all at dave right now and you know after legion's con i don't know that dave would trust me with them <laughs> uh, we, i was so nervous the whole show about knocking over prototypes or bumping into things you know it, it had them all laid out on the table balancing you know all the stands and everything and everything went so great until we started packing up and i just rammed right into the table knocking over a bunch of stuff oh, no. and i broke the carnotaurus prototype and uh you know oh, I love that it's, it's been fixed now but you know <laughs> I, I felt really bad at the time and I, I was feeling anxious the whole show and then i was the one who was the problem <laughs> nice <laughs> at least it was more the end of show though yeah, yeah. they're a little yeah. more brittle than the production versions i assume yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. The, 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 the resins, you know, the, they can only take up, take so much, you know, but once it's, you know, PVC plastic, you know, we solid. What was the uh, public perception at Legion Con about? about it was great. It was really great. Um, it, it honestly, the best part of the shows is, is, is just getting the fan interaction and then yeah. also finding new fans, people coming up and asking about it and be like, Oh, what's this? And they're just fascinated yeah. with different aspects. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool seeing what people are drawn to first, you know, cause like, mm. you know, the, 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 the Arctic dragon is definitely a fan favorite. I think people are immediately drawn to that because the size, the colors, it's like, it's like nothing people have ever seen, I think. Um, but it's really cool. People picking out be like, yeah, I like this one the most, or, you know, it's always different and it's, it's fun. Yeah, you never know when you go do anything like that. It's just the you kind of have to put it out there and see what people are drawn to. Because sometimes you'd you it's the one you would think the least is is uh, gonna have the most draw. It ends up being one of the fan favorites. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And like we we've teased at PowerCon and Legion's Con our six inch figure prototypes as well, um, mm -hmm. and the fan reaction is always huge on those. So you know, want to figure out something with that in the future, but very cool. Um, Chris, do you have anything else? I want to, I want to move away from the cyberzoic stuff really quick and. Well, I mean, you know, like I, I, it's way too early for you to get into it. I'm sure, but like, I'm sure there's some subset of the of the beasts that makes sense in in 112 uh, you know <laughs> to go with those figures not all of them but some of them and that'd be that'd be cool to see i guess technically your smile already there but no one would be able to ride him with those six inch figures but uh th no that's cool man uh this has been really fun uh, I, re I really enjoyed it love to love to see this stuff i i do have one question before we move on from the cyberzoic yeah. so where right now it stands uh you were exp uh, explaining, so they'll be available eventually on the site for wide release as well, but they're in the pre-order phase right now. And then what's on the horizon for future releases and stuff for, for that, if you want a kind of summary of where you guys are, are right now? Sure, yeah. Well, um, we already have figures that are being worked on at the factory, the Smilodon, the Allosaurus, um, and the Arctic Dragon, which are part of the, the first wave. Um, and then the pre-orders and, and backer kit will open up in February. And then we are shooting to get that, that first wave out uh, in about a year. Uh, that's, that's the goal. Um, everything is always updated on all our social medias uh, and our website. But, uh, yeah. And then from now, we're just continuing to fine-tune those prototypes, make any adjustments we need to, the factories, uh, you know, working on those, some of those figures. And we're working on development for the, the comic book and Cyberzoic 2. So keep moving forward. Awesome, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah, you guys were talking about all the ideas already for the second, the second set. It's really cool and no shortage of ideas. And you guys are very open to all the feedback up until the weeks the Kickstarter is closing. I think you guys had made a change. So, um, with with a uh, a suggestion by the fans there. So if you guys want mm -hmm. something, if you if you guys see something or think of something. That uh, would be interesting. These guys are open, so uh, send them them a message there. Um, so like I said, I wanted to kind of move away from the Cyberzoic uh, stuff for just a minute. Um, you're involved with several projects from Hasbro. You've mentioned GI Joes, Marvel Legends, uh, Transformers, things like that. And here on Small Talk, that is kind of our wheelhouse. Oh, I didn't mention Star Wars. There was some Star Wars stuff. Um, but that's kind of our wheelhouse. We do focus a decent amount on Hasbro, uh, among other uh, what we like to consider small figures, right? Um, question number one, when it comes to the Transformers, 
how do you piece together all the engineering and have it turn one way and then flip this over and like what's like the process of like mapping out that puzzle of some of these really complicated uh transformers yeah so thankfully uh that job is handled overseas with uh, uh our transformers team over there they're they're like masters of it you know they've been doing it since the original toys um where the sculpting department uh for hasbro steps in is whenever they're uh like particularly for like uh, uh beast wars characters whenever it's like skin texture or like animal textures uh, things like that that's when the sculpting department will step in um for instance like the new magmatron set that was just revealed i, I did some work on on a on seasaurus and, and land uh, and skysaurus um updating some of the skin texture and head sculpts um because they're they're mostly engineers over there so we do the final sculpting touches but yeah uh, most of that's handled overseas, though. Yeah, and it's a hard job, but they're they're really good at it. They imagine it's like Lego. They have an entire team dedicated to designing and engineering the yeah. the the uh, the From inner page one to page one thousand eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the actual yeah. intro uh, intricacies of working, actually transforming and working and whatnot. And. You're you're also working on a, a new Spider-Man. I saw a, we saw a picture on your on your Instagram of it. You said you're you're involved with the hands, the utility belt. Uh, there was a couple other things. Can you what what are those things? And how yeah. many people have their hands on just like that one figure? Yeah. So that uh, you're referring to the Assassin Spider-Man. That's yes. what you know from the comics. I think for licensing reasons, he was called Spider Shot for the figure. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that one, so a lot of the, you guys are fans of Marvel Legends and whatnot. So, you know, there's a lot of parts reuse on, on bodies and, and limbs and things like that. So that, that one was a partial that only needed a couple new parts like the head, hands and, and utility belt. So I took care of those things. Um, but, but yeah, um, luckily some projects, you know, you, you, you work on and then it'll go to somebody else and it'll end up looking different by the time it you know, gets released, but for the most part that it's pretty much my sculpt or the parts that I contributed to it, that my sculpt in the final form. So, and, and about how many people have their hands on that? If you would just like to generally like, is it yeah. like 10, 20, you know, I, I couldn't say, um, at Hasbro, I don't see the full picture because it is yeah. such a giant company. Sure. Um, sure. cause there's people that deal with it at the factory internal, external. So yeah, they I, I issue an assignment and say, this is what we need. Yeah, 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 pretty much. That's cool. Yeah, and, and, um, I guess I can't talk about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> what else? He's maybe, on top of it. He's, He's careful. <laughs> yeah, hey, I respect <laughs> that. that. Yeah, it's good. That assassin one that is that already out, or is that something that's in it? Just got or? it. Just got um, announced. Uh, yeah, pre-orders are open for that. I think on Hasbro Pulse and stuff. Um, Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I like the know. color scheme on it. It's nice. Um, I'd be interested in knowing like, uh, products that are already out. Cause I am, uh, I'm a pretty decent Marvel legends fan. I have quite a bit, had a lot more than what I used to. And then I try to broaden my horizons into some other uh, companies, but, uh, would you be able to list off some of maybe your more popular, uh, figures that you've worked on for them through star Wars, Marvel legends, yeah. transformers, things like that. 
so a lot of the coolest stuff that I've worked on hasn't been announced yet. Um, uh, which, which is which we'll is we'll wait for part two then. Classified. But, <laughs> yeah, but um, as for things that are like you could buy right now that I did, uh, I did the save like saber hilts for Balin and uh, what's her name? Shin Shin Hattie. Yeah, yeah, Shin Hattie. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. I'm looking at your Instagram here on the other screen. I'm saying I see lightsabers. So that's for the black series that that was <laughs> yeah. announced a, a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and cool. I've seen some pe- some pictures of those in hand, so I think those are available now. Um, so, do you know? Did you uh, have any? Because th- I believe the, I don't know if you'd know anything, but the blades seem longer, or people were talking about that. Do you know if they actually are? I have no idea. At the time that I did those hilts, I didn't have files for those blades. Those were added. Yeah, later. I wasn't sure if you would. Yeah. This is a, so, this is a good actually, this is a good learning moment, Badfish. Do you know what the canonical length of a lightsaber blade is? <laughs> I say it depends. It de- all I know is it depends. It, a it regular varies. single blade. You're asking me. Inches. It's thirty six inches, Badfish. All right. I was gonna say, right. but you, ev- every know. saber has a length <laughs> adjuster. Pretty yeah, much, almost the, every saber. Yeah, the standard's thirty six. Just saying. All right. Good talk. Good talk, guys. <laughs> um. Guys, I have uh, just two more things I want to ask. Um, so if y'all have anything else before before we kind of uh, wrap up here uh, for Ross. Yeah, what are all the secret uh, Star Wars figures <laughs> you're working on? Okay, uh, I'm good, guys. This was this was awesome. I'm 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 tapping out. But yeah. <laughs> you know uh, about that, it is so hard because I'm on you know the toy forums and stuff. I always you know look at people what people are posting and reading things and you know. Get kind of also getting feedback on things and maybe I could fix or improve uh, for for figures that come my way, you know, based on what, how people feel about what's out there already. And it is so hard not to comment on some of the things that people say. It's like, oh, your your, your wishes will come true. Just be patient, you know. Uh, nice. Yeah. I wish I could spoil all the secrets, but I would be out of work. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Gentle Giant knew guys at sculpting at Gentle Giant knew about Grogu 18 months before he showed up in that last episode of The Mandalorian. That's like a will of iron, man. That's good stuff. Those guys are yeah. not messing around. Yeah. So, so it, as an estimate, how long before the show came out were you working on those lightsabers? Uh, about a year. Uh, about a year. Yeah. They, and, and it's funny because everything, all the reference images I received, they're all watermarked. Everything has names on it. You know, everything's oh, yeah, yeah. super, super protected. I'll, they'll give me the smallest amount of information they can for me to sculpt. You know, like everything's hyper security when it comes to Star Wars and Marvel. So this yeah. is a good segue uh, into the next question I had. Being a a toy designer, sculptor, how hard is it to enjoy collecting and not be so critical over other designs and be like, Oh, this is mm. so cool. But Oh, why, why'd they do that? Or like, do you, or do you find like some kind of like separation in there? I think I'm super particular about things and it prevents me from buying a figure that I'd be annoyed with, even if it completes the collection. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. real answer guys that's what you want that's yeah. good stuff so yeah. so if we had a real close look at that shelf behind you you could probably if you had the the knowledge the company-wide knowledge you'd be like 
I don't know if he likes this specific sculptor. For example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, nice. This, this is the last one for me. Uh, for a future uh, designer sculptor, would you, do you have any advice for anybody who's looking to uh, enter this career? And, you know, there's a lot of uh, custom guys out there who kind of do uh-huh. their own thing. They're on like the fringe of, of, of making it to a company like creative beasts, uh, um, Hasbro, things like that. Do you have any advice for them? Um, I'd say just like, keep doing what you love, you know, like focus your vision. Don't lose sight of what's important to you. Uh, like I said, you know, I was doing concept design for video games, you know, trying to pursue that track. I don't even play video games. You know, I lost sight of the fact that I love toys. And, uh, you know, once I got back on track, I ended up where I needed to be. So there's that, um, be, be a cool, easy guy to work with. You know, everybody likes friendly, cool people. Um, and then, uh, the last thing is conventions and conventions are such, such good places for networking and making connections and getting future work, you know, and getting to show off your work to people who share similar interests. You know, it's just a giant place full of, you know, if you go to toy conventions and stuff full of toy lovers and, and toy companies. So, so don't, don't be afraid oh, yeah. to ask questions when you're there, right? Like, Hey, would you mind yeah. looking at this? And yeah. And sometimes, you know, I've been approached by some people, uh, they want me to look at their portfolios and things. And, and sometimes the show gets too busy for that, but sure. you know, I always say, Hey, take my information, reach out to me afterwards. And, you know, I'm always happy to help people, you know, cause I feel like I've been very lucky and fortunate because people have helped me, you know? So with the with the time that you've been i've got one here sean with the time that you've been um working in the industry beyond say getting to work with like uh hasbro or or designing your own uh your your own dinosaur well not designing the dinosaur but getting to sculpt that that dinosaur Mm -hmm. what's like the biggest unexpected surprise or uh the most unexpected moment that you've kind of had that that's come up uh over the couple years that you've been doing it now Hmm. Um, that's, that's a tough question. Well, I, my initial thought was the fact that I'm even having a career in this. <laughs> you know, I it, it, it. yeah, that's like un- unbelievable. But uh, yeah. Um, I guess one big surprise is how small. Like, it, it, there's so many different companies that make toys and everything, but the industry is so small. Everybody knows everybody. You know. Uh, that, that's one thing that I found really surprising, like going to conventions, seeing familiar place, faces, um, talking to somebody about somebody. And they're like, oh, I know him. You know, we went to college together. You know, all the connections uh, across the industry. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Chris, anything else? It was else? a pleasure talking with you, yeah. No, no, that's that, that was real fun. And, you know, I think um, especially for our listeners, like it's always – interesting to get a little bit of insight into how the sauce is made you know so like i yeah. think this has been real informative and uh it's always fun to put a face to the name when we see this stuff come when it finally sort of gets into people's homes in a, a year from now it'll be cool to sort of know a little bit more of that behind the scenes story so i really appreciate it thanks man yeah we're often guessing oh. they're doing this for that reason but there's absolutely no it's not even close <laughs> 
Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on, Ross. Uh, Ross, go ahead and uh, take a couple minutes to let everybody know where you could find yourself and uh, what other avenues they could use to contact you if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on Instagram uh, at Ross Persichetti. Also, my website, rossperschetti.com, where all my artwork is. And you can also find a couple of prints that I have available for sale there, too. Um, and then, of course, for all things Cyberzoic, the Mesozoic and Cenozoic, there's Creative Beast Studio and creative-beast.com. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- thanks for having me on the show. It's been a ton of fun. and Hopefully we'll have some time to do it again. Yeah, yeah we're well, going to definitely. Yeah. We'll definitely need you for a part two as, uh, as Cy- uh, Cyberzoic kind of reaches uh, the pre-order dates and the launch dates and stuff like that. And once I get that... Uh, that Arctic dragon in hand, I'll give you a holler and see if we can do something fun with that and kind of go through it. And uh, maybe by then I'll, I'll have some of the others in hand as well. But uh, guys, that's all we have for y'all on this Thanksgiving special. Again, if you're celebrating it, happy Thanksgiving, be thankful for the people that you have in your life and what you have. And uh, thank you for uh, watching us. If you're watching on the day of, or if, or if you're just catching it on the replay, Ross, thank you so much. Chris, Badfish, um, thank you all for for being here. And uh, I had a lot of fun. So Yes. Thank you, everyone. And thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for watching and tuning in. But thank you very much for Ross for taking the time with us. Again, it's a pleasure Mm -hmm. speaking with you. uh... All right, guys. We'll see you all in a couple weeks. Bye. Jumbo.